Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to episode 181. My name is Jim Bablis, Workplace Relations Legal Officer. And here today with me, I have Maddie White, Workplace Relations Advisor. Hi, Maddie. How are you going? Good, thanks, Jim. How are you? Very good. Now, Maddie, today we're talking about the General Dentist Review. Normally, we would have a, a clue, but I think we're just going to skip over the clue because uh, I think we just had too many clues lately. And I think dentist is probably not the most fun thing sometimes, but it definitely has to be talked about. Sorry, there's been a fair bit of movement movement on the EBA front recently, Jim. What is the current status of the dentists? Yeah, that's right. There's been a fair bit of movement. I guess, listen, we're in the tail end of bargaining, really, in all the major EBAs. Uh, but now really is the time to turn to dentists. Uh, as you know, the General Dentist Agreement was approved on 12 April 2019 and would be and essentially is operational until, uh, you know, the 1st of July of next year. And likewise, there's also agreement number two, and this um, operates from the 25th of April of 2019, and likewise will cease operation on the 1st of July of 2022. Remind me, why is there a number two agreement? Yes, certainly. Essentially, um, five regional health services are, con are covered under the agreement number two, and realistically, it was just more of an, an operational issue, issue as to, you know, they came on a little bit late in the piece. Okay, what would you say are the main components of the agreement? Yeah, listen, the agreement really is not that controversial or difficult to read. So, for instance, when you contrast this, say, with Health and Allied or, or the mental health EBAs, it is quite easy. The real difficulty, though, has been, and one that we've really encountered, are in the implementation components of the agreement. Okay, can you elaborate on what the implementation issues have been? Certainly. Uh, it comes down to, uh, I guess, five key issues, and and um, there are two distinct themes. One is financial, and the second is operational. Uh, the financial implementation issues, I guess, are as follows, and they relate to the, you know, the following clauses and parts of the agreement. Clause 25 around lump sum payment, clause 26 around uh, remuneration, clause 58, which is professional support allowance, and lastly, appendix three, remuneration also as well, particularly around wages. And the operational um, implementation issue really has been in relation to Appendix 4, and this is where we deal with the clinical manager hybrid classifications issue. Let us focus on the operational issues. What are the hybrid classifications? Absolutely. So Appendix 4, or Clause 63, to be more precise, covers this. And essentially, this, this deals with aspects of Level 4 and Level 5 dentists. Um, it encompasses employees who are clinical leaders and whose primary focus is oversight and strategic direction for clinical management. It is envisaged, it was envisaged, I guess, through the life of the agreement and from previous bargaining that there would be a total of 10 EFT allocations statewide. I guess it begs the question as to why this has been controversial. I guess, mate, it comes down to two key reasons. Number one, what criteria do you use to determine the hybrid roles? Um, you know, both Lexi and I, who implemented this agreement, developed a very comprehensive template that looked at the level of work and really, I guess it was a very long checklist. The more boxes you ticked or were ticked, uh, the closer, I guess, you were to a level five. And secondly, how were these um, positions to be allocated? The unions are trying to provide a more broader interpretation and allocation, specifically into community health, and we really did disagree with this point. That sounds like a lot of work. 
Absolutely. It took almost one year to implement the agreement, so it was quite long. How was it resolved? Well, I guess compromise was the key to all this. Uh, the department did indicate that whilst funding was not intended for the community sector, it would be decided by the parties essentially through implementation at the latter stages as to how the allocation of funding was to occur. And what transpired really at the end of the day was, you know, that we composed a panel among the VHIA, DHSV and ADAVB, the three key parties to the agreement, and we voted by majority consensus as to which services received what roles. Okay, so I guess what review items are you looking into? Yeah, there's a number of them that we've so far started on. And we could probably just start, listen, with the ones that really were an issue during implementation. And that's clause 25, you know, the once off lump sum payment. Realistically, what are we looking into? I mean, is this clause relevant now? I mean, the issue is it's just no longer relevant. Clause 35 around protected gowns, you know, serviceable gowns at the expense of the employer. What relevance now does this have to the EBA? Clause 40, right of private practice. I mean, this clause is really is already addressed by the Employees Private Practice Agreement. Once again, questioning the relevance to the EBA. Uh, clause 61 around the SDPP, SDPPs. I mean, obviously this is, you know, per wages policy and it has to be re replaced by a BP clause. Um, so that's obviously another issue. You know, clause 63, the classifications that we've talked about, you know, it's now been addressed. What real work does it have moving forward? And clause 65 tying into that is the competencies. Likewise, what real work does it have to does it have right now? And what we've really done is we've posted the track or the review track, I should say, on Yammer, and we're really seeking member feedback at present. Does this also extend to the community sector? You know, great question, and the answer is yes, it does. And we've and we have uh, we're in the process of circulating a tracker for the community sector as well. Now, do you, are you proposing to have a single dentist's agreement? Um, you know, listen, we are. Um, we would prefer, for, I guess, for the sake of clarity, to have a single dentist's agreement for the public sector, and also a single one uh, for community and also with respective heads of agreement, so as to avoid, I guess, crossover, multiple review points and interpretation issues. Now, what about dental therapists? You know, great question, I guess. So my colleagues, um, Emma Scott and Marie Coppolis, are under, uh, currently undertaking a review, uh, as are we with the dentist team, a review of dental therapists, and we are hoping to put a proposal to the department to merge the respective agreements. And this really is a work in progress at present. Okay, any final thoughts for us, Jim? Listen, I would really just encourage members to really um, complete this, the review tracker, send it back to us, and really just keep a lookout for our proposal in relation to the merger of uh, the dentist and dental therapist agreement. Great, thanks, Jim. Thanks a lot for that, Maddie. Bye.